people come to us and they say, want to know what we're doing and, oh, it's a different model and we want to understand it. But every time I talk to Michael, I learn 10 times as much from him than I possibly am, am talking because what he's been able to do with Paul Quinn and not just the turnaround, but really the level setting, the standard setting that Paul Quinn does inspires me every time. Welcome to Innovating Together, podcast produced by the University Innovation Alliance. This is the podcast for busy people in higher education who are looking for the best ideas, inspiration, and leaders to help you improve student success. I'm your host, Bridget Burns. You're about to watch another episode of Start the Week with Wisdom, which for those of you who are at home, if you have not seen this before, these are weekly episodes where we conduct an interview with a sitting college president or chancellor, and we want to talk to them about how they're navigating the challenge of this moment. We're in a really unique time, and we want to focus on their leadership and unpack how they are making decisions, how they are navigating, and hopefully it will leave you with a sense of optimism, a bit inspired, and give you a bit of hope. Hey there, I'm Paul Fain, news editor at Inside Higher Ed. So yeah, a newsy episode here. Uh, we've got leaders of two institutions that are teaming up to reimagine the student experience during the pandemic. A uh, recent partnership between Paul Quinn College and Minerva Schools was announced. And today we get to hear from the president of Paul Quinn, Michael Sorrell, and Ben Nelson, the CEO and founder of Minerva Schools. Hello to you both. Hey, it's great to be here. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Welcome. We're super excited to have you on. I um, Now, President uh, Sorrell was a guest on Weekly Wisdom a few weeks ago, or early on in Weekly Wisdom. Um, and But in light of the news about what's going on with Paul Quinn and Minerva, we thought it would be a really great opportunity to bring you back on because uh, as institutions are trying to figure out how to navigate the pandemic, the idea of bringing institutions together, of teaming up, and figuring out how to leverage the skills assets and abilities of other institutions, that is something we talk about, but we don't always do. So the fact that you're doing that, I think is interesting. And we want to understand kind of how this relationship came, came about, how other folks can help find partnerships like this. And of course, also, we want to hear about the idea. So, yeah, so <laughs> sorry, I know what that was going no, 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 That's cool. Uh, so to start off, what inspired this idea and the push to, to pursue it? Well, I'll tell you from our side, I have been an enormous fan of Ben and Minerva for years. Um, I, I actually have been to San Francisco, um, seen Minerva for myself, and um, just, you know, I mean, I, I've read the articles. Um, I just, I'm an enormous fan. And to have an opportunity to partner um, just, you know, is Frankly, it's just a dream come true. And, and on our side, you know, I, the, the, we're, we're often in this position where people come to us and they say, want to know what we're doing. And, oh, it's a different model and we want to understand it. But every time I talk to Michael, I learn 10 times as much from him than I possibly am, am talking because what he's been able to do with Paul Quinn and not just the turnaround, but really the level setting, the standard setting that Paul Quinn does inspires me every time. I mean, I am trying to get Minerva to be more like Paul Quinn to actually incorporate a working college model into Minerva. And again, being able to partner on, uh, on something so revolutionary, it's, it, it's, I couldn't imagine a better way of doing it. 
Yeah, so having written about the Minerva model, it's it's definitely different uh, and in a lot of exciting ways. Um, and, you know, I know, uh, Dr. Sorrell, your institution does some things differently, too. Can you guys talk briefly about how the partnership will work, just the basic structure of what folks should expect? Sure. Um, you know, actually, we have two partnerships going. So that that's how much we bought into the Minerva <laughs> way, okay? <laughs> um, the, the first is just... Um, Minerva is providing the um, the online platform for our honors college right now. Um, and we're beta testing the application of this because we use a hybrid model under normal circumstances. Um, but we're always looking for a better way. And our question was, you know, we realize that our student body is different than a Minerva student body. But the fact that the delivery method of the online learning is so amazing. And, and by the way, I'm not just saying that because I read about it, right? Like I actually sat through it myself and just was blown away. My, my faculty was blown away. Our staff was blown away. I mean, a bunch of us got an opportunity to, to take it out for a spin. And in doing that, we thought, you know what? The number one complaint from students from under-resourced communities about online learning is they don't feel seen, they don't feel heard, they don't they don't believe that they're having a valuable experience. But that's the smoke from a different fire, right? That's left over from their experiences coming up through the K-12 system. So when you understand that, you understand different challenges. And when we sat through the Minerva model, we thought, oh, wait a minute, this actually cures that problem. So let's give it a shot. So we've got that partnership. Then we just said, let's go solve big, 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 big world problems. And, you know, Ben and I often talk about just the things that are going on. And, you know, his view on them is very similar to my view um, about just we have to be better as a society. And educational institutions should use their resources to really advance society in the way in which it is accessible for all of us. And so when you look at our Urban Scholars Program, it's a way of saying, number one, students don't want to wait four, five, six years to engage. And frankly, we don't have the luxury of waiting that long for them to engage. So what if we gave them a chance to deal with the issues they're most passionate about? And time and time again, we found they're most passionate about the wealth gap, they're most passionate about criminal justice reform, and they're most passionate about healthcare issues, which, because COVID-19, I mean, that makes sense. Then if you teach them business and public policy, where they learn the business aspect of change and the policy aspect of change, well, now all of a sudden, you've given them tools. And if you can then come in and let them get out of school without, you know, a crushing loan debt, I mean, this program, the last two years are completely free. You can conceivably get through the first year completely free. But even if you don't, maybe you spend $5,000 or so, right? I mean, it's it, you just don't see it. And, and then to have the ability to learn all of this from your home city, I mean, th- this is the type of thing that pushes the envelope, but the envelope has to be pushed, right? Okay, that's super helpful. I mean, and I, I can attest that um, I... 
have experienced the Minerva platform as well um, because I participated in Consequent, which for those of you who are at home, and by the way, um, we are live. So if you have questions specifically about the partnership, you can post them and I can um, I can raise them to the uh, to our panelists. But um, I experienced Consequent, which is uh, Minerva's version of graduation and where a group of students engage in an immersive experience about uh, an important question that really integrates uh, the fundamental liberal arts education, real world events, um, and you know, somewhat of a debate for three hours, uh, which I, I would normally be like, I, I mean, I don't know about you all, but I have been on a lot of really boring webinars since uh, the pandemic started. And I feel like it's very difficult to keep folks engaged. And I was on the edge of my seat for three hours with students for three days in a row. And I, I think it's about the philosophy behind the platform. The platform itself is is great, but it's it's the way that you apply it. So um, I, I'm I'm super interested in how you're going to go about the edu the the training for faculty at Paul Quinn. But before we go there, I want to first understand how it was that you know for folks at home who are trying to figure out they've all got problems. They're trying to figure out who has a solution they could use. How do I know that I can trust you know a whole institution? with another leader? How, how did you guys get to know each other to establish and to test that trust to know that this was gonna be the right move for Paul Quinn? I'm, and for Minerva, that Paul Quinn was gonna do the work and take it as seriously as you need someone to do. Because I know in the past, Ben, you've wanted to do something like this, but you couldn't find institutions who are willing to really commit themselves. So I'm, I'm hoping you two can talk just briefly about that idea. So Ben, why don't you jump in? Sure. I, I mean. I'll say from our perspective, which is we, we have been trying to engage with a lot of universities that come to us and say, hey, you know, we've heard amazing things about your platform and, you know, we, we hate, you know, the web conferencing tools that we're currently using. And somehow they have this filter that makes our lectures terrible. And so, you know, can we, does, does your technology have, have something that doesn't make our lectures terrible? And the, the, the problem is that, of course, technology doesn't make lectures terrible. Bad lectures make lectures terrible. Um, the, the thing that actually you need is a partner that can engage on saying, you know, here are the things that we're really, really great at. And here are the things that we need uh, kind of a partnership for. Here are the things that where we can have value add. And we don't look at Minerva as a technology. We don't look at it as... A, you know, throw something over the wall, but we look at it as a real partnership. And so, you know, right now universities are in this kind of real zero-sum game uh, type offering. They say, you know what, we want to get away with charging $50,000 uh, um, uh, for tuition, but if we're going to spend more than 50 bucks on, on technology, which is the entire medium of delivery for it, that's too much. Oh, that just blows our budget. Oh, we can't possibly afford it. As opposed to saying, you know what, if we're charging... Forget fifty thousand dollars. Even we're charging five thousand dollars, right? What is the entire learning environment? This is everything that somebody is paying is experiencing as a student. What's that actually worth? What can we actually do to get our faculty ready to partner with somebody that can be there at their side? That isn't just providing a technology, but a real service and a partnership. And Michael and the whole team at Paul Quinn immediately had that kind of perspective, which for us was, was the dream partner. Yeah, and what I'll say about it is this. I am under no illusion that we are the school 
that I want us to be yet. Right. I mean, one of the things that's different about Paul Quinn is I don't subscribe to anything other than 100 percent honesty. Right. And you don't get to become better if all you do is hunker down and pretend you're good enough already. And, and by the way, I don't think any of us are so good that we just sit and rest on our laurels. At, at Paul Quinn, we believe no problem is ever solved permanently. So you have to continuously be in the business of evolving and getting better. And so, you know, I, I mean, you know, listen, I mean, like when I see Ben at the different conferences where we get a chance to hang out, when I read more about Minerva and the things that they're doing, one, like I got to actually know, I mean, we've gone to dinner, like I actually got to know Ben, right? Like, so it wasn't one of those things, like some leaders you read about and then you meet them in person, you're like, oh. You are the creation of an amazing publicist, right? I mean, like, <laughs> sort of like, oh, 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 oh. yeah, where do I get that number? <laughs> <laughs> Ben's not like that. Like, Ben is legitimately who he's, and I would actually tell you that he's so much more authentic in person. Um, and so, so I fundamentally, I like him, right? I respect him, I trust him. And then I also have great admiration for what they've done. And I believe that my folks and my institution and my students will be better for being exposed to this experience. And, and that's great. I mean, again, all I care about is living up to the promise, right? And so it has inspired us because, you know, frankly, I've looked at some of the things that they're doing. I look at the way we've done. I look at some of the responses. I was like, we have to get better, even in the in the short term, right? So, how do we continuously evolve? And I, I would tell you, every institution should be willing to avail themselves to partners that can, you know, really serve as a roadmap for who they can become and how they can get there. You know, I remember uh, interviewing Lynn Pascarella, the president of the Association of American Colleges and Universities, liberal arts group about the pedagogy and the curriculum of Minerva. And she said, she, she kind of stunned me and said, everybody should copy this. And, you know, so it, it, that's a big endorsement, but it's not just the approach to teaching, obviously. Um, it's the speed to, to the credential in your partnership. And also it's the price. Can, can you guys talk a little bit about that? I mean, if I read it correctly, you're anticipating that students will be fully covered by the federal Pell Grant. Well, not fully covered by the program. Yeah. Um, this is a program designed with the Pell Grant student in mind, right? And part of the reason for that is if you just look at the data, the majority of students in this country who are in public education, K-12 right now, are going to qualify for the Pell Grant, right? I mean, that, that's just, and I mean, literally in the South, the overwhelming majority of students coming out of the South, which, you know, points to another really difficult conversation um, about the choices people have made that work against their long-term interest, right? So when you look at this and you say, okay, these are the students that we're going to be dealing with, it's unconscionable to then turn around and say, your pathway to prosperity is crushing debt. That, that's just not, 
That's morally reprehensible. And so we looked at it, and Paul Quinn, our attitude has always been, what, how do we do right by people? How much money do we need to be able to function in a way that allows our students not to pay back student loans for 30, 40 years, that they don't bequeath that as part of their, you know, their inheritance to their family members. We think it's wrong that people have to take out parent plus loans to pay for college. So, you know, what Minerva allowed us to do, and, and really, you know, Ben was laser focused. I mean, Ben actually might have been more focused on this than we were, to be candid with you, right? Um, was just, listen, Pell Grant, what's the least amount of money that we can charge people so that they can be able to get out of this with, you know, somewhere between 5000 to 7500 And really, that cost only comes in for the first year. Um, you know, because of the work program, people shouldn't have any debt the last two years. So, I mean, you know, if we, if we do this the right way, people actually graduate and can pay off their student loan debt before they get married, before they start having kids, before they want to buy a house. And that's, that's special. And, and I think that, that what's really important to understand about this, and this is the narrative that I, I have been so um, disillusioned by, by higher education. Uh, and this is really why Michael says this is where I get on uh, a little bit on the, on the passion side uh, of, of what we're doing together. Higher education is very comfortable with this narrative of, oh, you know, we're building uh, all of these, you know, like castles, right? And we all know who the castles are for. They're for rich people, right? But, but we're, we're including the others, right? We're, we're, we're building it for rich people, let's be honest, right? Because, you know, we're spending tens of thousands of dollars on stuff that has no educational value whatsoever, but we're letting other people in. So isn't that kind of us? But the reality is, is that when you look at the overall statistics in higher education, that's just not true, right? You have more students graduating from highly selective universities in the top 1% of households than in the bottom 60, right? So, so the, the, that disparity is because of the approach. And so when you have an approach, which is the tuition is covered by, uh, by Pell, Right, you have some fees that that have to pay uh, that student has to pay out of pocket in the first year, but then in the second and third year, the co-op program pays for it. Right, when your total cost for the degree is seventy five hundred, but it's not a oh well, you know, it's not as good. It's better. It's better. I would put the education that these students are going to get against the education of any Ivy League graduate. And we will be able to show that their education, like Lynn and others have said, is what others should be doing. And so to me, that's really the crux of this program, because it's not a, oh, let's compromise. Oh, let's do something not as good as, but it serves X, Y, or Z. No, it is unapologetic, and it wants and serves to be the best. And that's the growth mindset that Michael talked about and what he's been able to do at Paul Quinn institutionally 
is have an organization that has a growth mindset, which I really have not encountered in other universities. I would say the growth mindset does exist in other places. I think this is a unique space. And I think Michael is an exceptional leader. I think, um, and I, I do want to talk to you more. We have, I think we have about time for two more questions, but I do want to talk a bit more at some point about the, uh, the trappings that you're talking about, because obviously when people went home, all of a sudden those mattered a lot more than people realized. And it turns out people actually rely on those physical spaces that might not seem like they had educational value, but turns out they have a lot to do with connection and community and engagement. Um, so, I, But I know that you have strategies for that. And I want to talk about the employer piece before we run out of time. Um, now, uh, Michael, you have long time, you've been doing the, the, the model, the work college model for a while. I'm just wondering how the pandemic has affected employers' appetite for the work college model. And um, in light of everyone working from home and all of that, what are the changes that you're needing to make? Sure. You know, let's, let's be candid. I mean, it's absolutely going to impact and is impacting employers just because there's uncertainty in the marketplace. It doesn't diminish it. I mean, we still see you know, a robust set of employers engaged with our students and wanting to do the program. Right now, they just want to do it remotely. And, and frankly, I'm okay with that, right? Until we can figure out all the other things, uh, we've got a significant number that want to do it remotely. We've got a segment that still want to do it in person. Um, so people still need highly qualified, highly prepared, or rigorously prepared talent um, in their companies. So there's still a need for it. Will we need to work a little harder? Absolutely. But we were going to have to work pretty hard anyway to just continue to meet the aggressive numbers that we've set up. But it's we're not anticipating this being something that sinks the model at all. We are seeing people still interested, understanding the value and the importance of this and the price point. I mean, the price point is incredible. I mean, Depending upon what kind of company you are, you can have two semesters of a student's time anywhere from $15,000 for two semesters, $10,000 for two semesters, or $8,500 for two semesters. And to get people who are prepared to succeed, but also then to have someone who says, we're going to make sure this person performs at the level you want, it, want them to, this is about access to talent that reduces your risk of failure. And everyone has an appetite for that still. Yeah. So let's let's talk about uh, failure uh, and success here briefly. Uh, you know, can you give us a sense, uh, President Sorrell, of the scale of what you're hoping for here? And, and for folks who'd like to replicate a partnership like this, kind of what's at stake? What, what's success and, and what are you worried about? What, what, what are some of the risks that you both are taking on by, by making this bid? Well, I mean, you could always fail, right? I mean, it, but we're not going to fail. So, you know, because we, we've reduced the exposure pretty significantly. I mean, let, let, let's think about it here. You need students to show up and students are showing up, right? So that's number one. Number two, you need the ability to get employers. Um, so, you know, we'll work, continue to work at that. But we've got a whole year to, you know, identify even more employers. Um, so, you know, that, that's a piece of it. Um, but let's talk about why we think it's going to succeed. Number one, it's timely and relevant. 
right? Like it's actually listening to students and what it is that they're saying they want to do. It's listening to the communities they come from and saying, this is what we need. It's listening to employers who say we want rigorously prepared students who are passionate about the world, but also are capable of performing at a high level internally in our companies. Um, and parents really, if we're all honest, don't want to send their kids away. Many don't want to send their students away to school right now because they're worried about it. And you should be worried about it, right? Every day you see universities and colleges coming back saying, we're going to go to school online, right? Because it is really difficult right now to do anything other than that. Not, not judging anyone who ultimately decides to do it. I'm just telling you, just as we told folks in the spring, this is going to be extraordinarily difficult to do, given the circumstances that we get. Oh, and in terms of opportunity for scale, great opportunities for scale. Like we intend to ratchet this up to a very, very high level. Um, we think we can replicate it, and this wind up being a significant piece of what we do as well. And Ben, for you, in terms of risk, this is the first time that you're doing a partnership like this. You wanted to do one for a really long time. Um, it, it was a long time coming to find the right partner. Um, are you hoping to identify other institutions to, to do this with in the future? And um, do you have any, um, like, what kind of public information do you think is going to be needed from this partnership in terms of results to help us get there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, Bridget, as you know, we, we've been talking about this this idea of kind of this, this one-year, you know, mental framework, uh, intensive professionalism, uh, co-curricular uh, getting ready, student getting students ready for the place of work, followed by two years of co-op plus study, uh, and uh, at at no cost for a couple of years now. Uh, and we've been talking to institutions in the United States, in Asia, in Europe about it, and everyone is intrigued. Uh, but but it sounds too radical. It sounds impossible. Right? How can you, for less than a cost of one semester at a traditional university, provide an entire bachelor's degree, two years paid work experience, and give something that is relevant for students, that's something that they're attracted to now? It sounds a little bit fantastical. And so for us, this is the proof point. This is the opportunity to demonstrate to them, look, you, this can be done. And given that, what are the implications for what universities currently are, are, are offering. When, when you have a whole society that's talking about systematic reform, but what they're getting is Trader Joe's not calling Trader Giotto's anymore you know, for various products. If, if, if that's the outcome of systematic reform, then we've got a problem. And if institutions don't look inward and say, you know what, the makeup of my undergraduate student body, it's problematic it doesn't really help with systematic reform. What are the kinds of programs that we can do to actually address it? This is, I think, a, a prototype for the real solution. Right. Well, I know that uh, everyone's going to be watching, and I don't mean that in like a creepy or freak you out kind of way. Um, I think that uh, we're going to be looking for other examples of where institutions are being bold and doing uh, things that, you know, higher ed, there's a lot of changes that have needed to happen for a really long time. And the pandemic has finally made it so that the story we've told ourselves about why we can't 
um, has been removed. And so I think we're going to try and look for other examples of where institutions are really stepping into that space. And hopefully we can invite you back on the show uh, in the next few months to see what you learned. Hopefully you're still speaking. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I think your students will be pleased. But um, for those of you who are at home, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Paul, as always, a fantastic co-host, but um, President Sorrell and uh, Ben, I, I, I think I promoted you to president on the uh, banner, but I think you're CEO. So um, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And for those of you at home, please let us know if you see other innovative partnerships or, or change happening in the sector that you want us to invest, to learn more about um, on the show, particularly if they're a sitting president or chancellor. So for the rest of you, we hope you have a wonderful week ahead. And this gave you a little bit of food for thought uh, and a little bit of inspiration. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. See you both. Cheers.